Welcome to the Rodcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rod. So my my guest today um, is an award-winning leader in his field. He's led uh, large organizations uh, to create amazing well-being strategies. Um, I always enjoy talking to him. It's always a great pleasure to find like-minded folks that um, can cut through the smoke and, and mirrors when it comes to well-being. Uh, please uh, join me in welcoming my guest, uh, Ryan Hopkins. Ryan, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, pleasure to be here. Long-time listener and fan. Now nah, you sent me a few last time. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Th- thanks for saying it, anyways. But um, curious to hear your sort of origin story was in terms of how you got into sort of you know well-being as mm-hmm. as it's uh you know pretty much a, a well a, a niche space uh it doesn't seem so niche anymore in the circles i'm mixing <laughs> on linkedin and otherwise it feels like there's too many of us but <laughs> maybe that's just yeah. my network um i i had everyone who gets into this world has had their personal journey of xyz things and i went through through a few things in my formative years that had made me uh it took me some pretty dark places personally and when I finally got into the Deloitte grad scheme I was almost the oldest graduate that had ever been accepted I don't know if you've seen the graduate or with Robert De Niro and he walks into the Google office he's like the oldest <laughs> yeah. guy there he's like hey like hey TikTok am I right kids yeah <laughs> like, and, so I managed to get on I've worked around the world and done a variety of jobs first. I worked to I worked an electrician, bouncer, I worked at a pharmacy, I used to give out like contraception to people and did all wow. sorts of weird and wonderful jobs around the world. Finally found my way to university and and I got a job at Deloitte, started doing digital transformation and I found that when I started sharing my story with people, it resonated with a lot more than I used to consider because when we go through these things we like to keep it close to our chest when you start to talk about it, you realize that everyone has got some shit going on right <laughs> and mm, you start yeah. to share these things on big big programs and I ended up setting it up the well-being function for one of our big clients when I was quite junior there and I was like recognized for doing this work and I was like, oh this is the most rewarding thing I think I've done in the firm and it wasn't my day job it was like on the side Mm. And I started to gravitate towards that, moving more towards enabling people in big organizations to thrive. And I was learning that it's not always about giving more solutions, just configuring the space around us to do what we need. And more and more doing this big transformation work and doing that little bits of it on the side. And I kept trying to develop it as my full-time role. It was just too early. It was, it was like 2018 when I was trying to do this. And there wasn't the understanding, like you say then, that there is now that this is something mm. that needs to be worked on full time by people. So I had to leave and went to lead wellbeing in two big companies at Sainsbury's and then I was the future of work lead at a big fintech, managed to improve happiness through the pandemic, rolled out unlimited paid vacation, right to disconnect policies, four and a half day work week trials. Like I tried not to mention the word wellbeing and it's more likely to appear. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like a phoenix from the organizational ashes. Yeah. And I, was, I loved it and I started writing and speaking but I was uh, made redundant from both of those roles because it's the most important thing, but the least important when the rubber hits the road. 
Mm. And that's what's brought me back to Deloitte now in my role as the future of wellbeing lead. So, and I understand now how it needs to change to be brought into the future. So what we've done is help people when they're sick and then support them. And that's the right thing to do. But to move forwards, we need to essentially understand the data, put a financial number on it to see, see, see the importance because at the moment we're limited by what we can do because the understanding is that it's just solutions and events because we're doing it the way we've always done it. But I think we're at a moment now where that needs to change. And yeah, I love it. I love, absolutely love it. And I'm lucky to have moved into this role and it kind of, it's the, it's the nexus of passion, experience and purpose. And I think when that happens, some magical stuff happen, like starts to happen in your life. And so you've, you've been doing this, you know, for a while and, and, you've you were there sort of you know before the pandemic and during and where we are today did, did you see a, a difference that that made within organizations and how they perceived sort of you know these topics yeah so it was raised from middle agenda events and solutions like the traditional approach is putting in an eap a support system which is the right thing to do and then all of a sudden it was webinars and every other every six words was well-being mental health or balance work-life balance and as good as that was it brought the conversation to the front right and we started talking about how is one another and just checking in and I think this was tremendous to bring the conversation forwards but now the conversation is there we're all I think quite aware what's going on at work or what the issues are but we've done nothing to address the system so you've all gone back into work now post-covid with an L of like a double amount of meetings in our diary same expectation but now we got to get into the office see one another socialize try have a date in life personal life get to the gym oh don't forget to record this podcast that i almost forgot was happening today <laughs> that, was my, that was my fault that was my fault <laughs> between us, we're messaging each other like two minutes before. is this now <laughs> um and all of this stuff it's just increased pressure but we're talking about it a lot still so the awareness i think is 10x where it was a few years ago, mm. but nothing has changed with regards to what's making us stress. In fact, I think it's got worse. So now we're acutely aware we have an issue, but we're doing nothing about the underlying stresses at work. So I think this is a real moment of change. I'm trying to call it like wellbeing 1.0 and 2.0 to help people think about it. I think 1.0 was about conversations, reactive support, catching people when they fall, addressing symptoms. 2.0 will be quantifiable it will be proactive, it will be reducing the stressors rather than pushing things at individuals to fix oneself because the individual has already got 74 meetings this week. <laughs> the last thing you need mm, yeah. is one more thing on your plate. I'm almost like the anti-wellbeing, well-being person. I'm just like advocating for less. I try not to say the word because I think we all just need a little bit of time and then we can do these amazing support, solutions, applications, activities. But until we have that space, these things will just make things worse and exacerbate stress, or at least it does for me anyway. And the people that I've spoken to, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, and and I think one of the no, I totally agree. And one of the difficulties is, for instance, if you look at if you look at health, you know, um, the main causes of why the population or individuals will become unhealthy, a lot of the times, if not most of them, lie with 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 uh within organ uh structures that are not the healthcare system so um 
you know, poverty, transportation, uh, environmental issues, you know, just things like, you know, taxation, either in favor of, you know, subsidies in favor of healthier food or, or the opposite. I mean, we, those are such powerful tools to get people to, 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 to be healthy that when you look at it, it's, there's so many players that, that have, you know, amazing tools and, and leverage to, to change, you know, for good or for bad people's health. And so if you, if you take that into the workplace, it's kind of, you know, similar story where you have, of course, you know, HR, which traditionally has, has sometimes been given the, the lead of, of looking after employees' happiness and, and well-being. But as you say, you know, if you have 60 meetings, you know, that that's, doesn't fall under the realm of, of HR. So how do you see um, sort of somebody coming in and, and playing sort of the orchestra conductor to, to manage, you know, all those people in an organization? That's a perfect way of looking at it. And I'm adding that to my lexicon, the orchestra conductor. <laughs> I think that's great. It, it, it is that because... At the moment, you've got HR playing the trumpet, right? If you think about it in this, with this metaphor, this guys, and what they're doing is they're making noise, they're bringing the solutions, they are doing the right thing from a HR perspective. But 50% of the UK, roughly, I might be wrong, work on laptops or knowledge workers, right? Again, mm. you verify that stat, but it's a, if that's wrong, it is a lot of people. And yeah. those people... We're talking now through a call, right? They, they didn't go into my diary. I interface through this laptop. I experience my world through this laptop. I haven't worked with an organization. Just to be clear, I work with organizations around the world to help them develop strategies. So that's just what I do. I haven't worked with one yet who has like the IT function being a core part of the wellbeing team. It is often HR yeah. professionals who have got other jobs, who are HRBP, who are looking after regents, who are doing ER stuff. The biggest effect I've ever had on well-being, in my personal opinion, working in an organisation was by focusing on how to use tech in a sustainable manner. The average work week was running away. It was like coming up to 50 hours. First time logging off, last time logging, first time logging on, last time logging off. And we said, well, well, this is something we need to address because if we do this and configure our digital boundaries, then this puts in place some outer and upper limits to what we do. And then we can configure the time for the things that give us energy. When we're trying to think about well-being, it's not often, it's not things that we add in that give us the most energy. It's the things that we can consider taking out. It's almost like an Eastern approach to it. Because in the West, we just want to add stuff in, chuck stuff on the plate. Like, that doesn't mm. work. So when we configure the tech in our favor, we're able to create some space. I created a concept called the in-office, out-of-office that went pretty viral. And I just said, when you're in the office, put your out-of-office on because you're not in the virtual office today and let people know there'll be a delay in your online correspondence. Mm -hmm. Let the status symbol go orange. We created all these practical tips to configure tech in your favour. I don't know if you know, if you cut your meetings by five minutes each, if you have six a day, which is, I would love six meetings a day. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah. If, you could, if you have six meetings a day and you cut them by five minutes each, you save almost uh, three work weeks a year of time. Wow. Yeah. And this isn't something that's ever discussed, digital balance, sustainable use of tech. I ended up creating this concept, 
saved the business over two million four hundred thousand hours over a year with no effect on productivity by focusing on using tech in a sustainable manner which brought down attrition which doubled engagement in the same period and for me this is what the future of well-being is it's cross-functional so that's the it example mm. you need to have the hr people in there doing that you need to have the benefits team doing the solution you need to have the it team configuring the systems to give us a bit of space you need the safety team making sure the premises are apps and we're all set up to work from home in an ergonomically safe manner it is cross-functional you need an orchestra composer mm. i think the future of it will be like a program lead or it will be called future of work it's often called colleague experience or employee experience i think this is the evolution and then i'm going to put myself out of a job as there'll be no well-being leads left <laughs> well-being is the out well-being is the outcome of this work the less you mention it and the more you configure the systems and provide the things that people need the more likely it is to appear because what you need is different to me. We do all we can do at work is provide the systems, make it psychologically safe, and then provide the like configure the systems for space, psychological safety, autonomy, flexibility, and then say your solutions are over here when you're ready. Because when I was in my darkest periods and depression, I've been I had an eight year battle with bulimia and anxiety on and off, and most of the things yeah, I've had the well I've had I've experienced in my life and I'm grateful because I use that now to help others but you could give me the world's best solution but unless I was good and ready I wouldn't have used it hmm. and I just needed time and space and then I knew where the stuff was when I wanted it so yeah that's the evolution of it you need a well-being composer <laughs> I think that's the perfect way of explaining it I couldn't have said it I should have just stopped so I should have said, well, your question answered my your question <laughs> and, but it's a, it's a tricky one isn't it because um you know, I think you make a really good point in, in that a lot of organizations say, oh, we should start, we should add more stuff, add more benefits, more providers, more, um, you know, activities and, and instead of doing less. Um, do you think the answer is, or, or, or what's your opinion on, on having sort of the, the, the other end of the spectrum where it's, it's mandated even by legal standards like what they've done in France and Spain where, you know, the, the individual has a right to, to disconnect. Mm -hmm. is, do you think that's sort of the, the right way forward or is it too early to, to tell? It completely depends on the organization. Right? I think that we kind of did like a global right to disconnect off the back of all of the stuff I did with the sustainable use of tech because we found... That in Ontario, they had just launched it in the Canadian state of Ontario, Belgium, the Philippines had some or were discussing some version of it. And we had a lot of people there and we, we worked out that something like 30% of our people were covered by this already. And yeah. we said, we can't really have that in a bigger global organization. You want to work with France? Well, tough. They're off now. Like, but you in the US are expected to work all hours of the day. That's not fair so we did like a global like launch on digital balance and we said we all work flexibly you're not expected to work outside of work hours however you can if you choose and that's as simple as that but yeah. that little change in the culture and the conversation was massive i think these legislative changes are great and i think i love to see countries like certain examples australia is a great example they're always a bit further ahead down there um, the, I don't know if you know, Western Australia, it's now legislative requirements to psychosocial risk assessments at work. Yeah. So in the UK, it's guidance, it's best practice, right? You have to consider it. It's just considered. 
that's it there's no but you have to do this now in australia mm. and i think it's amazing i think this is just going to happen more and more and more and it challenges us to consider in the workplace what we need to do and then companies that do this and then run competitions internally and then play that content out on linkedin and platforms what company do you want to work for a global company that lets you switch off after a certain time where your manager can't bother you where you're trying to tuck down like some ramen or something in the evening watching an episode of The Office. Like, that's what you want. That's, what we, that's where we want to work. People, big Microsoft survey not long ago, their Future of Work report, which is like almost like my Bible with regards to statistics with posts, is so good. Um, they said that people value geographic flexibility at 9% of their salary. So companies that are flexible workforces are more attractive than those that are not no obviously that's that's obvious but yeah. in a market now where inflation is at i'm not sure quite now what it is but i know it's not far of 10 salaries are increasing exponentially you can't just keep pushing it up you don't just want to compete on salaries you your evp your employee value proposition is almost as important if not more yeah and if you have that you work in this way and i go onto Glassdoor as a prospective candidate and see, okay, so I won't be bothered. I can actually have evenings where I'm not expected to work. I can actually work in a way that suits me. I've got geographic flexibility, temporal flexibility, modal flexibility. That's where I'm going, even if it's slightly less money. And most of the people that work in your organisation, uh, in five years, your organisation is going to be comprised of people that don't currently work there. Hmm. So we need to consider how we configure the places to set us up for success, right? Yeah, and, and and I imagine you've you've probably seen what well, some organizations have have pointed out that the the requirements or the expectations I should say of these new employees you're you're talking about are are changing as well. So you know when when we work with a lot of the oil and gas uh, companies, they they have folks that you know used to work thirty years, forty years, um, get their pension and retire but that's kind of not the case anymore there's 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 a lot of you know mobility within industry and and i think a lot of these organizations are are uh are really struggling to bring in new generations i mean is this is this something you're you're seeing where they're really having to rethink sort of that value proposition that, that you mentioned for for younger generations hugely i think it's potentially the most important thing that you could do to position yourself as a firm that people want to work at. Uh, I, Atom Bank in the UK, I don't know if you've heard of them, I always use this stat because it's a corker. Uh, they went, they did the four day work week trial. You know, the one mm. that's recently big success, all the data and stuff. They did that, they publicised it. BBC News picked it up, Atom, Atom Bank doing a four day work week trial. Month on month, they had a 49% increase in applications for the business. With no wow. additional change, with no change to marketing or anything else. Talk about a way to get top talent. Mm. I know plenty of people who work five days a week who are bloody useless. <laughs> I would yeah. rather have someone like the top yeah. talent that comes into the organization that would work four days and get work, like five days worth of output going. Like we're moving to a place with those organizations, if you're able to, not all companies can where you focus on outcomes, the quality, what you produce, not how long you sit there doing it. There are certain roles where it is hourly, right? But there are certain yeah. that are not. 
and the companies that get to that point that give people the flexibility, your talent's going to stay and you're going to attract the top people from elsewhere. If you're going to give me the same money that I'm earning now with an extra day off and my boss isn't going to bother me in the evening, well, I'm not staying here, I'm off. No. And I guess, I guess you would too, yeah. right? Like, you can't blame people for that. So you watch well-being, well, these well-being strategies will affect people outside the company as much as they do inside. What, what I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I, I don't know, you know, what the answer would be, but how do you manage as an organization policies, interventions, initiatives um, when you might have a company that's so different in terms of the people that work there i you have your boomers you have your gen z you have your millennials mm -hmm. and as we've said you know you you need different different strokes for different folks so how do you practically would would you say organizations can start to develop something that caters for 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 that that diverse population so I've got another stat, you're going to love this. I know, knowing you, I know you're going to like this. We did a big piece of work with the Institute of Directors, the Institute of uh, Risk Professionals, essentially. And we found out that what percentage of people do you think are using organisational data to measure the effectiveness of their well-being work? Have a guess. So what, how do, do you think, what number of people do you think understand the effect on attrition, engagement, other of their well-being efforts? Two. Good guess. It's yeah, one to two percent. <laughs> yeah, that is it. So, the the people that work in these positions have got the best heart in the world. You don't get into a well-being job without wanting to help people around you. But yeah. if you if you're in one part of the business, you're limited by what you can do, like we discussed before. And until you set up that data capability, or like a well-being index or people analytics function. To fully understand the state of play, everything is guesswork. And then you are catering for none of your demographics, the boomers, the Gen Z, the Gen, all of it. Like, it don't matter. So you have to stand that up and understand essentially how many people are leaving due to stress. What is, what is the engagement? What's the result? What's going on? And you can break that by demographic, geography, function, other. When that happens, then you understand what you need to do. You see the work average work week is at X hours. Okay, that's something we need to address first. But until you stand up that capability and then link that to the financial implications of the business, which then the leadership want to see, which will then give you the authority to go and make the change. Because currently we know it's the right thing to do. We see the work week data, but we've not linked it to a financial element. And businesses mm. are businesses that need to run and they've got, they've got 101 priorities. So when you say currently we are losing, I don't know, for a 10,000 person organization, it, is, it literally is often over 100 million mm. in, in attritional costs due to stress, presenteeism, absenteeism. When you put that in pound note terms, you earn the right to make change. Then yeah. when you've got the data, you can break it by demographics, you can see what's needed. But this is also why I wouldn't advocate for solutions straight away. And I think flexibility is almost the biggest thing that we can give people because what a 48 year old man who has teenage kids needs is different to me as a 31 year old bloke with no children with neuro who's got neuro like well got adhd dyslexia dyspraxia stuff like that like i what i need is different to someone else and what you need is different to someone else so it 
to come up with like coming with solutions often will only hit x amount of people so we need mm -hmm. to provide the flexibility and then the tools when they need them but the first thing you need to do is stand that data capability up because without that then always it's just guesswork and as, as, yeah. as good as much as you want to make change if it isn't measurable it what gets measured gets incentivized gets improved as you know very much right with what you do what do you think about that what would you how would you deal with it um i i really struggle with that point because yeah i agree you know before you start doing stuff you need to understand why you're going to do it and how you're going to measure if it works or not um but what i really struggle is let's say you you did an amazing you know diagnostic piece and you assessed and you know exactly where your baseline is you know um, let's say you get to some magical point where you understand what's driving, you know, turnover and stress and anxiety, and then you're so good at it that you can even break it down by age groups and generational, and then you're really, really good at it. And you can even break it down by not only age and demographic, but even the different business functions. So if you have somebody that's, you know, in the mill, somebody that's in a in a in a manufacturing you know line versus somebody who's in sales um and the rest e even there you know what's driving it which by the way I've, I've never seen that before in an organization to get to that well, we, that's what we that's what we help people do so yeah <laughs> yeah it's tough yeah, no. it, it's tough man like yeah. the businesses of a certain size you know how difficult it is to get to that point mm. and i think that this yeah. is the next part for anyway as you were saying no, I was just going to say, like, let's say you understood all that, um, then, yeah, designing something, uh, you'd, you'd have to do it quite clever. And, and uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something that also takes into consideration, you know, resources. Um, so you got to put your eggs in, you know, where you're going to put your eggs in, which basket is going to be initially, because as you know, um, you know, as you said, in the very beginning, you know, health and well-being is the most important, but yet yeah, it's the last mm -hmm. in the picking line when it comes to to distributing, you know, funds. Yeah, I got no panacea because there isn't one. But yeah. you have to get the understanding to try and help at least most of the people you can, right? Once you've done that, you can then consider what will have the biggest impact. I did something fun with hybrid that you might like it as an example. So I think mm. hybrid is one of the biggest, like, enablers in the workplace and I do think that although there's been a renaissance for the office and people catapulting back it was always going to go completely remote office and then it'll come back into the middle won't it as it rebalances mm. so what we did beforehand was we said so there's levels to it so we said everyone is expected to do this we're explicit we come together to create the organizational stickiness these are the events that we come in for everyone comes in for these regardless of mm. your role, we will get you to the office and you will come in because attrition was multiple times higher for new joiners post-pandemic than it was before because they're joining the business, they don't feel connected. As soon as another offer comes in, they're off. And I don't blame them yeah. because why would they? they? don't feel a sense of connection or family or anything. So that was the baseline. You came in for X events. On top of that, you had the functional. So I met all the business leaders and created... X amount of personas, I think we had 33 different job types. 
I said, what are the activities you do in person? What do you do at home? And then we came up with a score, a proximity to own team, cross-functional team and the customer. Mm. And then this spat out a score, which we then put on a matrix with big bubbles. You know the sort of graph I'm talking about, all the functions and the recommended time in the office. The leadership committed to being on those days to share it with their people. So that's the next level. So you had this function was recommended to come in this much, all built on the baseline that everyone comes in for. Then we had locational nuance. So people in India, a lot of them had gone back yeah. to their hometowns. And often that was eight hours away from our main office. We could, we didn't want them to come in one day a week for like an eight hour commute for one day. Like it just seems silly. So we said, you can do four days a month. So we just changed it to a percentage rule instead. And then they could come and stay and go into the office. And then, so that was another nuance. Another offices were opening slowly. So it's different in different countries. And we had like certain office works. And then finally, individual nuance. So he said, certain people want to work home more and that's fine. This is, you speak to your manager about these things. Certain people want mm -hmm. to come in for and that's also fine. So with any policy, like a future focused policy, it is not as easy as just saying go. It doesn't work. There is so much nuance and additional thought. And like anything, if you half ask it, you will get a half assed outcome. But if when you really consider how this is meant to work, what you want the ideal outcome to be, consider the groups in the business, all the different nuance, the demographics, everything else, I think you can get to an outcome where you, where you create a place where people love to work. For most people, you can never help everyone. And that's just the sad reality of working in big organizations. But what you can do is try your best for the most. And that's all you can do, yeah. continue to listen, be open and change and share that in a transparent manner. And I used to share the utilization of the offices with everyone. We're at this. This is what this could potentially mean. We want to get these people in here. Trust them. Yeah. We're not. We are a lot bunch of adults in workplaces. We treat people like kids as well. Like, we're like no, this is where we're at. This is what you said. This is what the data says. This is mm. what we're trying to do because we want to get to this place for you. We're not villains in this central function. We're, we're trying to create a place that you enjoy working in, so it benefits you and us. And I think a bit more consideration around these things, you can help most. Yeah, I thought it was a good example of that, or at least like how to customize and think about these things. Yeah, and, and um, no, that's that's a it's a really interesting perspective in terms of the methodology of having that that baseline. Um, I mean, it's much more advanced than you know I've I've uh, ever heard in terms of the strategies to get people back in. Um, which just shows you how <laughs> it was. It was a, it was a hell of a lift, mate. Yeah, it was a hell of a no, lift. No, but it just but the, the the outcome was really yeah. Positive. It just shows you how um, I think ill equipped we are to have some of these conversations. I mean, it's 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 so mind blowing that you know a lot of organizations will have such a complicated advanced strategy for for say some of the financial things, you know, entering markets, they'll have a whole business plan, people will be responsible for X and Y, they know how they're going to measure it. Um, but a lot of times when it comes to looking after uh, people, they're quite happy to say, Oh, yeah, let's just try this. And see see how it goes it's, <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable you got like a pillar you got a pillar of well-being yeah we got we want to be healthy <laughs> and then that's your well-being strategy go be healthy yeah. <laughs> oh yeah good yeah here's here's a uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time but now as you say they, they do that uh here's 10 percent off at uh you know your local pizza shop and uh your gym membership and uh the the pharmacy yeah 
Bike, bikes, bananas are one-off events. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. But that's why we're at an opportune time to spin it around. The awareness is better than it's ever been. It's an amazing time to work in this space. And the people that can... I think there's so many good people that want to make change as well. Mm. And I'm really excited to see where this develops and you're starting to see governments really pick this up as well. And you saw the mental health first aid piece discussed in Parliament. Mm, yeah. Is that the right thing to do in the workplace? That's up for debate. Is it good that it's being discussed at that level? 100%. Yeah. Like, and we are moving in the right direction and the businesses are understanding that this isn't just fluff. This isn't nice to have. It's not a side benefit. This is something that will be the difference. This could, this could save you tens of millions, if not more, if you focus on it well and create a place that people love to work in, that evangelise, wax lyrical, leave good glass store reviews, tell their friends to come and work at. It, it is just, it's like literally, it, it's, um, it's alchemy. It's what it is. Like, there's not many other things that drive performance and well-being at the same time, and I think this, these focused things do. Or at least that's what I, I think anyway. No, no, absolutely. And, and it'll be amazing, you know, um, to see in the future if we look back at where we are today, you know, in, in hopefully in not too long, and say you know what the hell were we doing and and i it makes me it makes <laughs> me think of like when the coal miners and miners were sent in and with no masks and no ppe and you know these type of jobs where they all developed um silicosis um you know pulmonary mm -hmm. conditions and uh, all these things and we just didn't know anything you know about it and there was no health and safety and you look at it now and you think oh that's barbaric like how are we killing people sending them you know into these in these coal mines imagine if if you know in a couple of years time we we think the same you know how how are we sending people into you know these these 90 minutes per per week and and uh just completely disregarding their their mental health and the rest no it'd be the same thing with screen time one day they'll be like how yeah. did they stare at those screens for so long and our ai system will do most of our work for us and then it will <laughs> pull you in for the creative work and you're right when you're leading like, bloop, bloop. <laughs> but, yeah hopefully we'll re hopefully we'll reflect back one day and like you say and i do think there'll be a lot of good work done now but there's, there's a lot of a lot of change that needs to happen but a lot of good people like yourself doing doing this work so i'm excited to see see where we go and i'm, I'm excited for the journey as well right yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to pull this recording up in in uh, in ten years' time, and 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 hopefully uh, laugh. Happily. <laughs> They'll hold me as the yardstick for doing it badly. Yeah, <laughs> no. they'll be like, I can't believe that's how he did hybrid. What an idiot! <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. But um, listen, I I have one more question to to ask you before I, I let you go. Um, what's the one thing? that you would advise listeners check out the one thing that's made a huge impact the last 12 months on on your health you know whether it's an app a recipe a, a, a daily practice um what what can you think of one practice can i give you two but they're they're interlinked sure yeah. i know that's cheeky but that's that's yeah. who i am so <laughs> tell me i can't <laughs> yeah yeah um, i've started using a a habit tracker so i i basically put down the things that i want to do each day and i check in with myself at the end of each day and it's, it's really kept me honest and helped me solidify some routines that i wanted to do before that i wasn't able to do 
So I've done like 65 consecutive days of cold showers and tubs now, and I've actually built that habit. I think I've nailed oh, wow. it as a result of just tracking. Wow. Nice and simple, checking in. These are things that I need to do and updating them constantly. So how, what, how do I get the most energy and what do I need to do? And I prioritize those things ruthlessly. They come first, where everything else comes second. When I prioritize myself, like RuPaul says, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? And I, I totally agree. Mm. So that's the first thing. And then yeah. the second thing is I knocked booze on the head uh, Boxing Day, actually. Uh, just found it wasn't serving me anymore. And I recently I signed a book deal two weeks ago. I'm writing that. I'm doing shows like this with yourself. Oh, congrats. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're coming out Jan 24. More to follow on that. And I just feel super energized. Oh, nice. I feel like I'm working with passion and purpose and I've got lots of energy and want to make a big difference. I think to change things, you need to be your best self. So I prioritise these things ruthlessly and the knocking the booze on the head has had a massive impact on everything else. So I got like a big case of Lucky Saint in my fridge. Like They're really nice. It makes you feel like you're having a good beer. <laughs> so yeah, just a couple of things recently. Well, that's great. Um, do you know what the name is? Is it is it publicly available? Yeah, so there's yeah, there's a couple we can put it in the show notes. Okay. I'll send them to you. So there's a track there's a tracker which I found on Medium by Gracia Kleinen, which is amazing. She's done all of the spreadsheets and they've got like macros and stuff built in. Oh wow. And then the second one I use for the not drinking is I think it's called I Am Sober and it shows you how much money you saved and stuff as well. So I've saved like fifteen hundred quid since I've stopped and that keeps me fairly motivated. Oh wow, yeah, that's great. So I I share I share both of those things with you. Awesome, awesome. That'd be great. Well, uh, thanks, Ryan. I know it was uh, an impromptu sort of meeting. Uh, that was that was my fault, but um, yeah, that was that was awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time, and hopefully we'll uh, do it again soon. Yeah, let's do it. So we come come back in a couple of years and see if anything has changed, or we're still just like, oh, I can't wait for things to change. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. If you enjoyed that, please hit subscribe, like, and share. See you next time.